Hey, theater people, Patrick here. So as many of you know, the Theater People podcast is on a new mission to bring well-known theater artists and fans together in unique and affordable ways. Our first go at this is going to be our live summer series. The summer series will consist of four live shows, one per month in May, June, July, and August. Each show will feature a different Broadway superstar who will chat with me for a little bit, then perform a song or two with our live accompanist, and then take questions from the audience. Time permitting, they'll stick around after the show to sign your CDs and say hello. So far, our guests include Leslie Margarita, Lindsay Mendez, and Laura Osnes. Tickets are just $10 and are almost gone. You can find all the information and the links to purchase tickets at our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. We look forward to seeing you at the show's theater people. Okay, now to the show. Yeah. I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm Celia Keenan-Bolter. This is Queen Leslie. I'm Robin DeJesus. I'm Erin Davey. Hi, this is Ellen Marie Marsh. I'm Lashawn. I'm Telly Leung. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. I'm Laura Osnes. I'm Katie Finnerin. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins. I'm Karen Olivo, and you are listening to the Theatre People Podcast. Welcome to the Theatre People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. All right, theater people, you've been asking for this interview for almost as long as this podcast has existed. So today we are thrilled to bring you our interview with the fabulous Adam Cantor. Adam made his Broadway debut in 2008 as Mark Cohen in the closing company of Rent. He went on to replace in the role of Henry in the Broadway cast of the Tony-winning musical Next to Normal. In 2013, he won the leading role of Jamie, opposite Betsy Wolf in Second Stage's highly anticipated revival of Jason Robert Brown's The Last Five Years. And now Adam is back on Broadway as Modal in the stunning Bartlett Shearhelm revival of Fiddler on the Roof. It was such a delight to get to talk to Adam in his dressing room at the Broadway Theater, surrounded by photos and family heirlooms that have been very special and meaningful to him, especially as they relate to this production. I'll let him explain that further. Here's our conversation. Adam Cantor, hi! Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. Thank you for having us. I'm like loving your theater, loving your dressing room, hating that you had to go get me water, but thank you for it that. Was, it's so easy, and I love my dressing room. It's my first time on Broadway with my own dressing room, so it's really nice. And I have a bathroom and shower. And it's just yours? It's all for me. Wow, I love it. It's very, it seems very zen in here. What do you have? What do you, you. Do to, what do you do to keep yourself well, normal? Well, I mean, right behind you, the shelves, there's photos of my ancestors. Oh, and right. my great great grandfather's transcribed cantorial music and images from my trip to Eastern Europe this summer when I researched Fiddler and Shalom Aleichem. And on the wall, I have my Ken Fallon portrait. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's my model. I'm really, really, really proud of that. I got that as a gift from one of our producers, Jen Namoff, who's one of my best friends. I know her. Yeah. And Craig Burns, uh, um, casting director from Telsey, who cast the show, and Jeff Soffer, her business partner. And I got, you know, I got my steam or my inhale, you know, my, my humidifier, uh, photos that Al Silber, our title, gave me on opening night of the two of us. Um, yeah, it's it's my this is my total my zen place. I love it. Is it is it working out? Are you feeling rested and relaxed and comfortable between shows? Th- this makes me totally chill out. This I think this space more than any other space, including my home, like my home home. This really? space is just sort of yeah. There's an energy here that's just like. Whew. 
I totally agree with you. I, f- I sense that. I sense that. It's a magical little okay. room. I love it. Well, I wanted to talk to you a, a, a bit in the beginning about how the show is like a homecoming for you in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, not the least of which being that it was the first show you did when you were in sixth grade. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Mendel <laughs> the Rabbi's son. Has this show, have you been, have you been doing the show a lot throughout your life? No, I mean, I did it in sixth grade. First thing I ever did, it gave me the bug. Then in eighth grade, I was Tevia. And then flash forward to now. And this is my first time back with Fiddler. I saw The Last Revival, which I loved. I thought John Cariani, who was a model, was brilliant. Yeah. And um, I've always been a fan of it. And, of course, it felt very close to it. It's my it's my family's history. Um, and I've seen the film. I think the film was one of the first big, like, you know, great musical films I saw. Yeah. So the, it feels really close to my heart, this whole piece. One of the things I think our listeners love to know about is yeah. the, your audition process. Like, how did you, how did you, how did you get this part? How did it end up being you? At the root of it, it was very simple. I mean, it was just an audition and a callback. And then I got the call uh, later that day. Nothing crazy. But wow. I, I think what helped was, I you know, I did last five years at second stage in, in uh, 2013. And... At that point, Jason Robert Brown, who, of course, wrote Last Five Years and directed our production, was working with Bart Scher, our fiddler director, on Bridges of Madison County. So Bart came to um, a couple Last Five Years run-throughs to sort of give Jason some notes, since Jason was at the time uh, more of a, I guess you could say, a novice director. Yeah, was that his first? Was that his first directorial job in New York? Yeah, and he had directed something. Uh, he he had directed, I think, a production of Thirteen in London. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, he felt very new to it. Also, he wanted an outside eye, and of course, Bart is great. So yeah. Bart came in, and I think so. Ha- having had Bart seen me in that. Uh, and also Danny Burstein saw me in that. So I think when Bart probably called Danny and said, I found a guy that I think could be model, you know, Adam Cantor. And, and I think Danny, you know, probably vetted me as well. So I think that experience helped. Uh, but in terms of the audition itself, it was totally straightforward. I got an audition for my agent and went in for the appointment, prepared a lot. Um, and actually before that, Jen Namoff, who got me that uh, portrait by Ken Fallon, it was her birthday, and we were up in the Catskills um, the January uh, last uh, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. And Craig was also there, casting director. And Jen and Craig and Jeff, the three people who got me that portrait, said, "You should audition for Model. It's coming up. It's going to be on Broadway." And and I was like, "Really? Who's Tevia? Danny Burst? Danny Burst? He's giving Tevia. I love him. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I got the audition." Had a call back a couple weeks later, um, and then I found out I got it. I will say in the waiting room for that audition, there were some other, like, really great actors and people that I admire, and I thought, oh, there's no way I'm getting that part. <laughs> I thought, like, surely one of these other people are going to get it. It's funny. We just had Megan Hilty on. We just did our interview with her, and she was talking about when she went in for Glinda and how she wouldn't give us names. And I'm not asking for names here either, but what do you do in that moment to, like, calm yourself and be like, I'm just going to do what I do? Well... That's exactly it. You just say, I'm just going to do what I do because (laughs) at the end of the day, they want you or they don't want you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can only be you. You can only give what you're going to give. And I think I knew that this part and this show lived deeply in me. And I just, I couldn't try to be like anybody else except for me. I couldn't try to do what 
you know, any of these other people in the room were going to do. Um, I just had to stay true to myself and remember the choices that I made. And I will say, like, I, I... I prepared hard for the audition, and I came sort of in costume, which really I was the only one, kind of, <laughs> I, I, not full out, but like suggest model light, model, you know, suggested <laughs> model. I was wearing a vest and a, a hat, and sort of nicer pants and shoes, and looked a little more traditional, you could yeah. say. Um, and I was the only one dressed like that, so I thought, okay, either. I'm going to look like a fool or, or <laughs> they'll appreciate it. And I remember Bart in the room said something. He was kind of making fun of me. He was like, oh, you came in costume. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it helped, you know, it put me in the world a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> I wanted to talk a little bit about your um, – your. Um, I just lost my train of thought. I wanted to talk a little <laughs> about your like your research and your sort of okay. your process. Yeah. I've been I've been studying up on you, and oh, okay. one of the things you said was that the, this was I, I think a while ago when you were yeah. sort of you know still working working on on the role. But yeah. you said the theme of my life right now is uh, Jewishness, not so much in the religious sense, but more in the current exploration of my ethnic and cultural identity. Yeah, will you talk a little bit about your journey through all of that? Sure. I mean. I've come to see myself much more as a descendant of immigrants uh, throughout this process. And I think I've come to realize that's what it is in many ways to be an American. And I'm so proud to be an American. And I'm really proud to be within a Broadway season that is reflecting this particular American experience of being descendants of immigrants. I mean, really, we are that that's the quilt of our yeah. nation. Between Hamilton and On Your Feet and View from the Bridge, it's very clear art totally. is reflecting life in that sense. So what I meant by that is I, I see myself much more connected and I feel much more connected to my Jewish roots from the stand from the from a cultural ethnic standpoint. Um I don't necessarily feel more religious. I don't feel, you know, that I that I believe more in God necessarily or in, um, you know, any of the stories from the Bible, etc. But I just feel connected to my family. I mean, you see, you see the photos yeah. behind you. Um, I and also having having gone to Eastern Europe this summer and walked in the footsteps of my ancestors and sort of taken that journey there and back. I realize how how close it all is. And I grew up with my great-great, sorry, my great-grandmother. She lived to be 102. She died shortly after my first performance of Fiddler. In uh, the sixth grade? In the sixth grade. Uh-huh. Yeah, not because of my performance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very clear <laughs> yeah. distinction we're yeah, making. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I grew up with her. We would have Shabbat dinner every Friday, and she would, we would light the candles and... My grandfather would lead uh, the songs and the prayers, and she would always be singing along. And these were songs that you see behind you in that in that transcribed cantorial music. These were f- hymns and melodies from. Uh, I see Tesco. you looking at my notes, my Adam Cantor oh, really? notes. Yeah, you can't cheat. You can't <laughs> I, cheat. No, I was just looking like. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I broke up a beautiful no, thing no, that no, you were it's saying. Totally good. Yeah, no, no. I just so I. That's that's what I meant by that. I just feel more connected to my to my roots, to my family history, and to our diaspora. I guess you can say, and I feel really proud to be in this show that is kind of 
reflecting that. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, God took a Daniel once again, stood by his side and miracle of miracles, walked him through the lion's den. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, I was afraid that God would frown, but like he did so long ago in Jericho, God just made a wall fall down. When Moses softened Pharaoh's heart, that was a miracle. When God made the waters of the Red Sea part, that was a miracle too. The show does something a little bit different from like recent Broadway or maybe all of the Broadway productions where it has sort of like a, a framing device that's mm-hmm. been talked about a little bit, yeah. which is so, for me, super effective. Yeah. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I've grown to realize that that framing device is my experience. I mean, you see this guy who happens to be the same actor who plays Tevya. You see this guy who is looking into the abyss at emptiness. And he has a book in his hand. And he sort of... He, he, it could be the book of the Sholem Aleichem stories on which Fiddler is based. It could be... Um, you know, it, 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 you, you can leave it up to you what, what that book is. Um it could be stories of uh, the shtetl. It could be stories of immigrants today, whatever it is. And then Fiddler on the Roof takes place. And then at the end, we see this man come back. And after uh, the Anatevkins have been evicted, and he comes back as that same man from the beginning, a contemporary man. And he joins this seemingly never-ending circle of displacement. And when you look at what's going on in the world today, we're dealing with the largest refugee crisis since World War II. Yeah. It's totally speaking to that. Also, behind me, you see our, our, there's our costume design. And our final look, our brilliant uh, costume designer, Kathy Zuber, modeled, modeled, modeled <laughs> that look off of images from the New York Times of Syrian refugees today. So, uh, you know, we're all sort of reflecting uh, the, the news that you're seeing today. Um was that, is that your, what was your question? Yeah, that was completely my question. That was, that <laughs> was like, totally my question. I totally forgot what you asked. Yeah. yeah. How, you know, <clears throat> this is a, a really large cast with a lot of, like, incredible actors. Yeah. Do you guys get a chance to talk much about what the show all means to all of you? Or is that something that doesn't really happen? Like, oh, as yeah. a non-actor, I'm curious about what a show like this with the company, how you all share your oh, own totally. stories. You know, we would share our own histories. We would share new stories from the news. Um, actually... We're still uh, Jessica Hecht is leading a fundraising campaign where once a week she'll bring in cookies and <laughs> sort of like a bake sale, and all the money is going to help refugees. Oh wow! And so I think we've raised like six hundred dollars so far. Wow! And, uh, yeah, and every month is going to a different charity. So we're very much aware of what this show is representing today, and that, and we're trying to help in our small way. Uh, and also throughout rehearsals, we had experts come in on, more on the displacement of the Jews circa 1905. Um, but it all reflected what was going on today. And Bart made sure to talk a, a lot about um, current events mm-hmm. in the rehearsal process. Yeah. Well, congratulations on this amazing show. Thank I love you. it so much. George, um, George, <clears throat> the stage oh. door. George. George. George has a food delivery. Come on, George. <laughs> um, can we go back and talk a little bit more about your earlier career? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I was really fascinated to find out that when you were in college, where did you go to college? 
to Northwestern University. Correct. Correct. That is a correct answer. Correct. Um, <laughs> you um, you were sort of mentored by Michael Greif. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of led into, you know, maybe some of your early success. Mm-hmm. But one of the first things that I thought was really interesting was that you actually turned down a big job, like right before you were about to leave school. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I don't think I had the official offer, but it was very close. And I had a call back and they were basically like, we want you I mean, like for the non-equity national tour of rent. And I was like a semester away or less from completing my credits. And I thought, oh, you know, this is a tough decision. I, and I talked to Michael about it. And I, I decided I'm, I was so close. I had put in almost four years to getting my degree. And I thought, okay, if I'm devoting my, the rest of my life to this, let me just trust that this opportunity will be there again. Rent at that time, especially the tour, was not going anywhere. Right. So, um I said, thank you, but let me just finish. Uh, and then I got a call a few months later from the same casting directors, and I said, thanks again, but I just want to finish. <laughs> and I could, because I thought it was for that same non-equity tour, and then Mike, I got a voicemail from Michael saying, Adam, it's for Broadway. For, get, get to New York. And I for, thought, for an audition, or was it an offer? For an audition. For Mark. Yeah. Yeah, Can yeah. we rewind a little bit? Yeah. I want to find out how this mentorship with Michael Greif came yeah. to be. Sure, yeah. So... At the time, Northwestern was um, – they, they were trying out a program called AMTP, American Musical Theater Project. And they were basically using the school as a breeding ground for new works. And they would bring in um, really top-notch writers and directors from New York. And they would use the, the Northwestern students and the facilities to workshop new pieces. And so Michael came, Michael Greif came with a piece called In the Bubble that was written by Michael Friedman and Rina Groff, um, sort of uh, and the, under the auspices of Oscar Eustace and the public theater. And um, we did that, and I auditioned for Michael at Northwestern, and we did that show between my junior and senior year of college. So I got to know him in that summer there. It was a great connection and we formed a really good relationship and he sort of yeah he became kind of this mentor angel of mine he gave me my first two big jobs in new york which was which were rent and then he he plugged me into next to normal which i love right of course now when it came to booking rent on broadway you didn't audition again or or, sorry you were saying you did come back i did you know with encouragement from michael greif i came back and auditioned and got the part and the school, I had, I had just enough credits. I think I needed an internship credit. Uh, the school gave me my degree. They said, "Tell me," they said that your rent job could be your internship. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> that has yeah. got to be the greatest internship yeah. story ever told. <laughs> yeah. Wow! And I got my degree in the mail uh, while I was doing that show. Tell me, please, that that uh, that that audition process was a little harder. It, well, it was definitely a lot more nerve wracking. <laughs> it was my first big audition thing in New York and um, there were people in that room that were (laughs) intimidating to me at the time I mean we had a large table of the producers and Jonathan Larson's father Al and Tim Weil the music director and you know it it was just it was an intimidating thing for sure yeah and um, I remember being very nervous uh and actually, the way I found found out I got it is is cool. Should I tell that? Yeah, story? yeah, please, please. So I went to see. 
I, I auditioned on a Friday in the morning. I had a call back later that afternoon for the producers and all those people. And then that Sunday, I went to a matinee of Next to Normal at Second Stage. And I saw Michael in the back of the house, and he kind of motions for me to come over to him. And he's like, did you get a call yet? And I said, no, what do you mean? He said, oh, that's, that's weird. You should have gotten a call. And I thought, okay. And then he brought me over to Anthony Rapp, who was in the house. Oh, for the love of God. Anthony was Michael's assistant director on Next to Normal. Oh, right. And, of course, was the original Mark, who I had seen on Broadway and, you know, I had listened to in the cast album a zillion times. And he brought me over to Anthony, and I was a little, you know, starstruck. And I said, so nice to meet you. And Michael said, um, Adam, this is Anthony. Anthony, this is Adam. Adam's going to be the final mark in Rent on Broadway. <laughs> I just got I could st- I could cry right now. <laughs> oh my god. And that was my I had never been paid to act before. That was my professional debut. Are you serious? Yeah, which was nuts. I um I read something cool and I hope it's okay to bring it up about your put-in rehearsal. About how like that was a really well, well yeah. you maybe you could tell it. I the reason I ask these these questions is because I think it's you're so successful, but I think it's so nice to hear that even well, just how like sort of the humble beginnings and that like these things are overcomable. A lot of the people who listen to our podcast are young people starting out, you know, who love to hear from you that you weren't always confident and you oh, know. No. I mean, no, everyone gets nervous from the time. I've never met an actor who doesn't get nervous. That's if you, if you don't get nervous, that's like you know maybe yeah. you should question what you <laughs> <laughs> or what's your secret. Yeah, but no, the I I was very nervous for that put in rehearsal because. You know, when you replace in a show, you're you're watching it for a few weeks, and you don't rehearse with the performing company. You rehearse with the stage manager and sometimes with some understudies. But you have one shot to go through it from beginning to end with the performing company before you join them on stage in front of a Broadway audience. One shot. You've got one, one shot. So you've got this one <coughs> put-in rehearsal where usually they'll call in the band um, or part of the band, and they'll have some... Uh, you'll you'll be in they full costume. They don't give you the full band. Well, I think it depends on the show and what's going on, but um, yeah. So and, and there's some crew and lights and stuff, but you're the only one in full costume. Everyone else is in their street clothes. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Why does and, anybody do this? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's kind of like hazing. It's sort totally. of like fraternity hazing or something. But um, yeah, and these were people that I had grown up watching and admiring and had watched every night for you know the the three weeks prior to that put in rehearsal people like michael McElroy who i saw on big river oh and, yeah you know people that i just really really admired and uh renee elise goldsberry was in that final company right she so i was sort of the first installment of what would become the final company so she wasn't there at that okay point she i think was one of the last people to come in but yes she was in the the very very final cast was great. It was Renee Goldsberry and uh, Will Chase was Roger. And Tracy Toms was Joanne. Justin Johnston. Yep, Justin oh, I was just Angel. Love that guy. Yeah, he was in it for I think eight years or something. Yeah. And Eden Espinosa was Maureen. Oh yeah. It was just like a fantastic group, and we we really really gelled and felt like a family. But I was when I joined, I was joining people that had been doing it forever, and um, oh right, so the put in rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I was very nervous, and I was my camera was shaking, and <laughs> and I uh, was dropping lines and whatever. And at intermission of that, Michael came up to me and said, "You know, stop this self-deprecating bolt, you know? mm-hmm. and just hit your mark and say your line. Just be honest, and don't you don't have to do anything." He said, "If you know, 
he said something to the effect, and I'm probably this this rhetoric is wrong, but I'm in my model hat now. So he said <laughs> so, he said something like, "It fits. It fits like a glove." You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's something to the effect of, "You know, this part was made for you," and blah blah blah. Um, and just told me to be honest and simple, and that it was all in me, and I didn't have to push for anything. And that was a lot. And I think I've I've always carried that with me to this day. That it's like. You are enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. are enough. Mm-hmm. If you've gotten to a certain point, you have to trust that you've done the work. And not to say that, you know, the work is over, but you don't have to push so hard. Just hit your mark, say your line, look the other person in the eye and be honest. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, – how was it to shut down that show? I can't even imagine. I was in a cr- – I will never forget that final night on Broadway. Yeah. I mean, I remember walking out and Michael asked me to say uh, – you know, the, the full cast runs out onto the stage at the beginning of Rent. And um, Mark begins the narration. You know, we begin on Christmas Eve. Before that, he asked me to say a special line. He asked me to say, like we did when we first opened, we dedicate tonight's performance to Jonathan Larson. Which was the... F- it was, you know, a similar line that Anthony Rapp said downtown um, at the New York Theater Workshop. Oh, my God. And after I said that line, I think the audience erupted for like 10 minutes. I mean, wow. it was like, it was like the hair on my face blew back from all, from all the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, what a moment to, to be a part of. It was, it was incredible. It was really, really, really incredible. That show meant so much to so many people. It still does. Yeah. Um, I have my rent robe over there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Wow. Can we talk about last five years? Sure. I'm breaking my mother's heart. The longer I stand looking at you, the more I hear it splinter and crack from 90 miles away. I'm breaking my mother's heart. The JCC of Spring Valley is shaking and crumbling to the ground. And my grandfather's rolling, rolling in his grave. If you had a tattoo, that wouldn't matter. If you had a shaved head, that'd be cool. If you came from Spain or Japan or the back of a van, just as long as you're not from Hebrew school, I'd say now I'm getting somewhere. I'm finally breaking through. I'd say, hey, hey, shit's a goddess. I've been waiting. I mean, the last five years is one of those that, like, was like an instant classic in a lot of circles, right? Like when it first when it first came out. Yeah. So I'm curious how how you how you got the part, but how I was wondering about you know Norbert Leo Butts and like that iconic recording, and how do you approach an audition for something like that? Uh, how do you approach an audition for something like that? Do you think you're just going to do what you do, or are you intentionally trying to not do what he did, or how does that work? Well, it's a good question. Um, and by the way, that audition process was not cut and dry, one, two, three, easy. I had one audition, like, beginning of summer. I didn't hear it. anything. I figured, oh, that's that's that. And then months later, was called back for a callback. Might have had to go, on, go in another time. Uh, I know that that production team was reaching out to colleagues of mine to sort of vet me. Um, wow. Yeah, so, like, that was not a one, two, three easy. Vet um, you how? Well, I think maybe just ask recommendations and or ask questions about me. Yeah. Uh, I get it. It's a, It was a big undertaking, and um, 
I had never worked with Jason or Second Stage. Uh, so yeah, it was a big thing. But in terms of, you know, I, I think it was good for me that I had already had the experience of replacing before. Um, not that I was replacing in the last five years, but there had already been an iconic performance of Jamie, like there had been of Mark mm-hmm. and Rent. And what I learned from Rent was that was how much you really just have to uh, make it your own and approach it like Michael said to me at that put in rehearsal from an honest standpoint and trust that you are enough. Yeah, yeah. That being said, um, Norbert was brilliant and I didn't see him but his recording is brilliant and I'm sure that subliminally there were things that came into my performance that were from him um, and that's okay. I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be to, to share that lineage yeah. with him. I think he's incredible. Um so and, and of course I think I think there the essence of there's an essence of Jamie um that is of Jason since it's semi autobiographical that would live in anybody who who does it. Yeah. I was thinking too that Betsy had the and I was I was writing this and I thought I don't know if that's true. I was going to say the advantage of having a Betsy Wolf yeah. who, who you know was your counterpart had the advantage of of having a friendship and personal relationship with Sherry Renee Scott. And then I didn't know if that was an advantage or not. And I was wondering if you had if you ever got to spend any time with Norbert what before or you know mm, during that you time. You know, I still to this day have never met Norbert. Really? Yeah. Anthony Rapp and I I see I see Anthony a lot. And actually when I First, I mean, of course, I was introduced to him when I first learned that I got the role, and then I reached out to Anthony, and uh, we had we had lunch before I began rehearsals. But no, I've never reached out to Norbert. I mean, Anthony has been very, very vocal about his ties to Rent and to yeah. Mark, and I know he feels very close to the material, and it was a profound thing in his life. Uh, I don't know that that's true with Norbert. I literally don't know. Um, so, yeah, I would like to meet him. I respect him a lot as an actor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How was it to be – so we talked about this a little bit, but how was it to be directed by Jason Robert Brown in a thing that he wrote? That has to have been intense, I would imagine. Well, it was it, – it, 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 well, it, it was convenient. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. We didn't, there was no kind of, well, let's – let me try to call the writer right. if the writer is even alive still. <laughs> uh, you know, it was very direct. And precise. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think we grew to really trust each other to the point where he allowed me a lot of freedoms and I allowed him freedoms. And I think, you know, we it was this having never worked with each other before and having and doing something that was so close to him. Uh, I think, you know, there there's the danger when I think when a when a writer directs their own work at all, especially if it's autobiographical or yeah. semi autobiographical, there's the danger of it being very uh, prescriptive, in it, you know, in terms of the direction. And this is how it was. This is how it is. With him, I think we really got to a place of um, collaboration, which mm-hmm. was great. And Betsy and I are still enjoying doing it. We're doing it. We've been doing it in concert versions yeah. around the country. We're hoping, knock on wood, to do it uh, in New York again this spring, actually, in a concert Oh, cool. Version. Yeah. Will you go back to 54? Uh, Fine, science 54. Potentially, we're hoping. 
Yeah, we're, it's in the works, so we'll see. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, I don't know if you're still involved with this, but I read about this and I thought we had to talk about it. You created a non-for-profit called Broadway in South Africa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is um, that still around? Um, it's not as active in the sense that we're not going down and working with kids directly like we did for mm, about six years. Um, you would go to South Africa? Yeah, we are a collective of artists, and actors, directors, writers... Uh, Etc. And we would go to South Africa, and we had um, kids in Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Durban. Uh, we would work with them in their townships, and the the goal was to, to use arts education as a means to build life skills, and you know enable these kids to think outside the box, to work better in groups. We say to to give them the ability to dream, uh, not necessarily to create professional actors, but just to use. Arts education to build life skills, as we all know, arts education can do right. and, and does very well. So, yeah, we did that. Um, I I had, let's see, the first time I went down was 2005, and then the last time I went was probably in something like uh, 2012. So, yeah, and we would go for about a month each time. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was that was such a cool thing to read. Uh, yeah, con- congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I'm mostly proud of some of these kids, some of whom we're still helping fund through university. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just so proud of, of what these kids accomplished. It's really cool. Well, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me to your beautiful dressing room. Thanks congratulations on here. Fiddler. Yeah. My goodness, what's, the show is incredible. I mean, thanks. such an incredible show. So congratulations thanks. and Thank and thanks for doing this. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Thank Adam you. Cantor. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> God has made a man Just a reminder that tickets to our live summer series are now on sale at our website. Our first live show starring Leslie Margarita is coming up, you guys, Sunday, May 8th at 6 p.m. So head over to our website, theaterpeople.com, for tickets and information. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. Theater People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks, as always, to Bradley Bean, Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, our webmaster, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back in one week. That's right, you guys, just one week, with our interview with Spencer Liff, choreographer of this season's Spring Awakening and the upcoming Falsettos. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. God.